This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 46. As a former classroom teacher, now homeschooling mom of five, I love to equip and encourage other homeschool families. So stick around to learn how to homeschool with Moxie. It's about embracing your journey and finding your groove. Show notes for today's episode can be found at 41more.com forward slash 46. This episode is brought to you by my online entrepreneurial classes for teens. Do you have a teenager in your house that would love to jump into podcasting or maybe open an Etsy shop or become a reseller on eBay? I've done all these things and I've created courses to walk your teenager through the steps it takes to start any of these businesses. And all of these businesses can be profitable even for teenagers. So if this sounds amazing to you, and by the way, these kind of skills are going to set your teens apart from their peers who might not know these techie skills. So I know you're going to want to jump over, find out about my courses. You can find them at 41more.teachable.com. And I want you to use a special coupon code I have just for my podcast listeners. You can use the coupon code MOXIE, M-O-X-I-E, and save 20% off any of these courses. I'll have all the links at the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 46. So welcome to episode 46. This is using technology in your homeschool. And I had the opportunity to chat with Dr. Monica Burns. She's a former public school teacher, just like I am. And she's gotten into the tech space, which with encouraging, um, K through 12 educators in their roles of bringing tech into the classroom. So we thought it'd be great if she could talk to homeschool moms and talk to us about the best ways to bring technology as a learning tool into our homeschool um, classroom, so to speak. So I know this is a really important topic because like we're going to mention, you know, most of us didn't grow up with all this tech. This has been a new development within the last decade or so. And so you, like I, may feel a little bit lost navigating the world of technology and what's a good thing to use with your kids and how do we keep them active learners and not passive uh, consumers of technology. I know these are concerns that you have as well as I have. So it it was great to chat with Monica. She has some great resources that will be linked in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 46. She also hosts a podcast, the Easy Ed Tech Podcast. I want you to check that out. And she blogs at classtechtips.com. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Monica Burns. Dr. Monica Burns, thank you so much for joining us on the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah. Hey, we are really interested in this topic about how we can use technology in our homeschools. But, you know, a lot of homeschool families, they've not heard of you before. So can you give us a bit of your background and why you're so passionate about this topic? So I am a former New York City public school teacher. So I taught in a classroom starting very low tech, you know, overhead projector, all the way to going one-to-one with iPads before I left the classroom. And since leaving the classroom, I've worked with educators all over the country and a few different international spots, blogging and writing about education technology. And my big kind of saying, if you will, that I always come back to is this idea of tasks before apps and making sure that we're putting the learning front and center, right? using technology when it makes sense, being strategic about it. And so that's what's really important to me and, and what I focus on in this work in education technology. So what do you do on a normal basis? I know you have a blog, you, you are an author, um, and you go around and who do you normally talk to in your, yeah. in your day-to-day? So my every day is a little bit different, typically. So some weeks I'm on the road and I'm at a conference or a regional event talking to educators primarily, sometimes families or parents that might be in attendance or you know specific parent programming, typically in a K-12 audience, sometimes with pre-K, sometimes in higher ed, especially with educators who are in training. And so some of that takes me out to you know regional events, more conference type of sessions. Then I also also spend time in schools with students and teachers. That's where I'll be next week working with some students in um, upstate New York. But then on those in-between days, I'm writing and blogging. I have a podcast where I share tips for educators around education technology. So it's a nice mix of a few different ways of sharing best practices and tips for anyone interested in using technology more strategically when it comes to teaching and learning. This is great. And you know, I guess the thing is when we grow grow up in a low tech educational environment, we can't imagine now as homeschool moms how to bring the tech in because we didn't grow up with it. So we have no history with it. So why should we even use it? Why is it in your mind? Why do you think we should be even trying to use it? What are the benefits? Yeah, and it's so interesting you position it like that because I work often with veteran teachers who have taught for many years without any of these things. And instead of the new teachers who you might think having the aha moments or, wow, let's do all these things, right? It's typically the veteran teachers with that context who've always done something. And now that there's these new resources, they have those aha moments of how they can bring it in to do things a little bit more differently. So some of the reasons why you might decide to bring technology or learning tools like this into a homeschool environment, right, might be around increasing access. So we can think about virtual field trips in addition to go there and see that type of field trips. It gives children a way to show what they know and make a product in addition, not instead of, but in addition, right, to a glitter and glue kind of situation. So they might record their voice to share what they've learned. They might make a movie to share with someone else tips or strategies or something that they're excited about. So it really increases the type of products kids can create to show what they've learned. It increases access to a wider, larger world. And it also prepares them to interact in spaces where they may need those digital tools from a college or career perspective. And even if they are you know, doing something that might be more hands-on, maybe they run a woodworking studio, right? They'll still need to understand how these digital tools work in order to invoice, in order to 
spread the word about what they do. So it's really all about giving kids access to things, increasing their opportunities, and preparing them for the future. And, you know, that's really true because the world is not going backwards. We're just going to have more and more technology. So our kids need to be comfortable in that world, right? So, you know, but I guess as as moms, a lot of us, we think of... Um, the digital and technology, we think of it as a passive thing because we think of kids playing games on it. And so we think, oh, like, should we really bring that into our homeschool? So in your view, like how you, I know you've talked about how students can be actual creators. And when you say creators, I think, well, that's active, you know, so how can we turn our perspective? How can technology actually create active learners instead of just passive, you know, kids playing video games, which is what normally pops into our head, right? Yeah. So that content consumption is definitely a critical piece, right, of the way that any of us use digital tools, whether it's a child or an adult, right? And so that is great and wonderful, but it's not the only way, right? So finding that balance between consumption and then creation is really important. And so, of course, kids need to consume things in order to right? Learn new information or see different types of experiences and see examples of what other folks have made, but they can apply what they've learned, what they've synthesized from a variety of sources by creating something too, right? So it might be that they are using, you know, YouTube to find some examples of math tutorials to help them study a new strategy for solving a special kind of math problem, but they might also use that YouTube example, that they find that helps them learn something new as a way for them to then use that same sort of model to create something their own, right? Why aren't they making the math tutorial, right, to share with someone they might connect with far away? And maybe it's a level where there's some comfort with posting things online, but if it's not, right, you still have that wonderful file you could share with a small group, maybe with a family that's also, right, looking at these different skills or strategies and share that math tutorial with just them, right? So there's lots of ways that we can take all the great things about consuming resources, but scale it up, as you said, to make it a much more active experience. So what if moms listening think, well, this is great, but where do I get these ideas? Where do I find the apps, the, you know, the technology itself? Do you have, um, do you have a place to send us? Do you have it on your blog? Like where can moms get ideas for actually specifically using these things in their homeschool? Yeah. So there's just so much out there, right? And we know that if we fill our tool belt up with too many things, we're not going to use any of them, right? Focusing in on just a few is really important. So I definitely have resources on my blog, classtechtips.com, where I share activity ideas and favorite apps. I tend to focus on things that are more right, easy entry in the sense you don't have to pay for it to use it, right? So things that are free or freemium so you can get started and see if it's a right fit. I also really love open-ended creation tools, ones that there aren't just one way to use them. So a movie-making tool, you could make a public service announcement, a book trailer, or a math tutorial with, right? So that way, anyone who's trying things out for the first time doesn't have to feel like they need to learn how all the buttons work on five different tools, Mm -hmm. but how one of them works, and then you can use it in lots of different ways. And one of my favorite ones are the Adobe Spark tools. I've done some you know, work with their team and, and love that they have free movie making and website uh, creation tools. I actually 
put together a book of activity ideas and that has a bunch of things that you could kind of run with, right, if you're getting started or are looking for ideas. And so there's definitely a lot out there, but I always tell people just to narrow down, right? You don't have to do all the things in order to get it right. It's really about prioritizing uh, what's most important to you and your family. So all these things that you're mentioning, we'll make sure to link to them in the show notes so people can find what you're talking about. So, okay. So you said, I mean, there are three things. So this doesn't have to cost a lot of money then, right? Or is that what, Mm. so how can it be basically with one computer and then we can find enough tools for free that we wouldn't have to buy anything or what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just like everything, you might scale in one direction or another, but I'm always hesitant to advise anyone to, you know, sign up for something or and buy a you know subscription to a website or something like that without having a real clear vision of where you'd like to take it, especially because there's so much free content out there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what you know, I'm talking about whether it's more of a consumption, like watching high quality Khan Academy tutorials about something, or even creating a portfolio on a website, right? A lot of that you can do straight from a smartphone, which is pretty wild to think about how far that technology has come. Mm -hmm. But if you are using a Chromebook or a laptop or an iPad, right, there's a lot that you can do without any more investment beyond Mm -hmm. that device. Absolutely. And so families with multiple age kids, like what, what age would you say is a good age to start incorporating some of this technology? If you're working with really young children, right, the best practices for technology use are really what's called joint media engagement or co-viewing, right, or doing things together. So you're sitting side by side and it's not that that, you know, four-year-old's playing a game on their own as much as you're talking about it with them and asking them how they're making decisions when they click on a certain button as they're practicing, right, maybe some math facts, right, on a game. If you're working with older children, right, you might have more independence when it comes to going off and trying things, but finding that balance is really key, right? Some kids love reading eBooks, some love listening to podcasts or audiobooks, but others would much rather hold a book in their hand. And it's about giving them choice, but also preparing them for both of those kinds of experiences. So if they are reading a novel, right, holding that book in their hand, they also know that when they open up a blog post or encyclopedia article, that certain things they can click on or certain pictures are going to have different types of elements that go along with it. So preparing kids for those experiences is really important, but I would scale based on kind of age and independence, what those interactions look like. So you were talking about balance and I guess that is kind of the concern we have. We're like, well, we need, our kids need to learn how to use this. But like you said, some kids, we would rather hold a book rather than use the ebook. So how, what, what advice would you give parents? Like, how do we figure out that balance? So we're homeschooling, we want to use the technology, but we don't want to go totally in one direction. Like, where is that balance? Where do you see it? Yeah. I mean, I'm always hesitant to give a certain number when talking about screen time, right? Because I think it's quality over quantity in 
everything that we do, right? You don't want just because one, you know, broccoli is good for you doesn't mean you only want to eat broccoli, right? You need to have a balance with everything that you're doing. And so what I would suggest is really narrowing in on those moments of consumption and those moments of creation. Maybe if you are reviewing and reflecting what's currently going on, taking some, you know, quick notes to say, you know what, today without even really thinking, we spent a lot of time on a device doing this and not a lot of time doing that. And so if you can sit down after doing you know, a week of kind of a casual, you know, inventory or assessment on what that looks like. And then say, you know, we really don't have as much balance as we thought, or we're, we tend to be doing a lot more of this, or, you know, we're never really listening to things. We're always watching things, right? So looking at that and just trying to think about the whole picture when it comes to interactions, I think is really important. But then you might also sit down and say, you know, in the month of whatever, right? Maybe it's March or April or May, right? You know that you have something specific on your curriculum calendar. You might step back and say, what is going to be important for kids to see that I can't take them to go to, right? We are not going to be able to go to see the Hall of Mirrors at the Palace of Versailles when we talk about the French Revolution. So I want to make sure that I'm able to bring in some of those content consumption opportunities. But then if I always know that you know, there's a certain type of project my child likes to create. How can I then give them some ways to maybe use more voice than they have in the past? So then choosing a tool that has a voice recording, or maybe I know that I want to partner with another family and we're going to trade book trailers and kids are going to make book trailers after they read a new novel once a month and pick their favorite one. And so looking at things creatively that way, but also, you know, with a clear purpose can be useful for making a plan moving forward. I love your ideas. I'm going to listen to this podcast again and write them all down because that's a great (laughs) idea. And you can, like you said, like partner with another family and trade what Mm -hmm. you're doing. So you feel like someone else is seeing your work. That's a great idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking how, uh, like, tell me if, if you know, like what do the studies say as far as what technology is doing to help kids with learning disabilities? Because I know one of my children has dyslexia and that is the child that gravitates toward the technology because it's helping with some of those, you know, gaps in being able to read as fluently as, you know, as someone else. So I'm guessing that technology is a way to even out the learning then with kids who have some learning struggles, which is that what you're finding? Yeah. So there's a wide range of things out there. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the piece about dyslexia as it relates to technology use, because there are some really specific technologies. I don't know if you've explored the immersive reader tools from Microsoft. Uh, that's a great example. Microsoft education is is really funny because, you know, I think that they don't get as much love as some of the others like Google or Apple, but they have really powerful tools specifically for student readers. And so when I think about something like that, you know, and this kind of extra resources that are now built in, more accessibility within tools, it is going to increase access significantly for students who might not necessarily respond in the same way or take meaning from something that isn't presented with those extra resources. So, you know, there's a wide range of research out there in different organizations that are doing really great research around the use of technology in learning environments. Joan Kant's Goonie Center is one that I always point people to, especially with early learners or family media. Um, That's one that is really powerful. They put out really 
friendly reports also, nice executive summaries where you get kind of the one page as opposed to going through all the numbers. And so if you are right, talking to someone or making a case for bringing something into a learning environment, that's always a nice place to go to. Awesome. And and so I'm going to try to get these links from you of places mm-hmm. you're mentioning so people can go and just find them because the, I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. So, um, you know, as we kind of finish up here, what else have we not covered that you would say homeschooling moms really need to know about using technology as a learning tool and how to use it best? What, what other advice would you give my audience? So one thing, and it's a term that I've heard before that I love sharing, is the use of technology as a passback technology. And it's a visual of you're driving in the car, right? And someone, two of your kids are in the back and one is poking the other one and you hand your phone, you pass back your phone, right? As that kind of distraction, right? And many of us have been in situations where we know that's going to be the quick solving, right, of a problem. And so one advice I would give is when you're thinking about that kind of pass back technology, right? The moments where you say, here's something that's going to entertain you, or you're going to interact with this. The more that we can come in front of that and anticipate those moments to say, when I hand this to you, right? And you, or you want to go on YouTube, these are the YouTube channels that we watch in our family, right? We know that National Geographic has great resources. So when you say you want to go on YouTube, this is what we mean, right? So Mm -hmm. the more that you can establish some norms as a family for those moments that might kind of pop up, or you know that you have these two educational games that are really aligned to your particular goals as a family, maybe you're all focused on something really specific when it comes to, right, math problem solving for a certain month, right, or focus and scaling that with your different age kiddos, right? So if you can come out ahead of those moments where we might think of technology in that kind of pass back role, I think it's the better because it helps reinforce that there's moments where we can really use this technology as a learning tool, right, as opposed to something that's just kind of hanging out and just there because, That's great advice to think ahead of time and have a plan. And this is great. So um, where can people find you online? What's your blog and what's your podcast and how can they learn more about what you're doing? So my blog is classtechtips.com and on social, whether it's Instagram, which I try and do a good job at, or try and do a better job at, or Twitter, it's at classtechtips. And my podcast is the Easy Ed Tech Podcast. They're about 15 to 20 minutes once a week. And I try and focus in on a couple big ideas and actionable tips. And I think your audience could absolutely get some takeaways if they're interested in using technology more strategically this year. Awesome. Monica, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I hope this episode has given you inspiration and actionable steps for incorporating a balanced use of technology in your homeschool. You can find all the resources we mentioned during this interview if you go to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 46. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling. <laughs>